Welcome to the Back in Action Podcast. Are you a weekend warrior, a current or former high-performing athlete, or do you just have questions about what a chiropractor can do for you in a rehab setting? Here, we'll dive into the world of chiropractic and exercise rehab and how they both can be utilized to get you back in action. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Back in Action Podcast. We are here with you for episode nine. And first, I want to give all my condolences to my fellow Eagles fans. Um, I'm still not okay. I don't care what anyone else says. I'm happy Jonathan Gannon's out of here because he cost us that whole game. Piece of shit. All right. So um, today we have our third guest on, Nick Calandra. He is the owner and founder of Beacon Chiropractic and Performance. Um, he's going to be giving us a brief intro to start. So without further ado, Nick, go ahead take it away. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'll keep the intro brief. I guess, what do you guys want to know? <laughs> um, just kind of where you like started off. Like, obviously we know you went to, uh, NYCC Northeast, whatever you want to call it, but just kind of how you got into chiropractic and what you're up to now, really. Yeah. So I've, uh, my path to chiropractic school was, uh, was a little bit different. I, I originally wanted to go to PT school and, uh, just the courses that I needed from undergrad were, it was, it was just like, it was going to take me three years to do that. And I said, fuck it. I'll just, all roads lead to the same place for me. So I'll just go to Cairo school. Um, and my undergrad degree in exercise science from Springfield college, um, and kind of always knew I wanted to go on f- from there. I didn't want to be a strength coach forever. Uh, the ceiling for that is, uh, is pretty low. <laughs> um, so I figured why not, uh, spend more money and more time and, and go get, uh, go get the doctorate. And, uh, and yeah, now we're, now we're here. I've been in practice since almost a year since last spring and I've been in business since last June. And, uh, yeah, still trying to figure some stuff out, but for the most part, we're, uh, we're making our way through. (laughs) You want to take us through, um, I know you spoke to some of the students at the school before with your process and how you first were going to start out. Cause I think you were going to start out with your, some of your buddies from PT, right? Like run like a kind of like integrative practice. Um, can you just touch on that and give a background of like what kind of happened there and how you kind of like persevered through all that? Yeah. So originally I, so I had done my internship and undergrad with, uh, Boston physical therapy and wellness, and then kind of had something in the works when I went back to Cairo school, kind of like, Oh, when you come out, you can, you know, hop in as the, as the first Cairo in the group. And we'll kind of have this like collaborative practice. So, you know, we went before the board to get the facility license and they ended up not giving us the facility license for us to have kind of like a, inter-collaborative uh, practice. Um, and my only option was to go either work for another Cairo or start my own business. Um, and I definitely did not want to go work for some of the, you know, Rackham and Crackham five-minute appointment docs. Um, so I knew the way I wanted to practice and how I wanted to do things kind of lended itself to starting my own business. Um, so did the LLC thing, filed all the paperwork, got it all on paper. And now I rent space from Boston PT. So I'm still in the space, still around everybody every day. Um, and, but I don't have to have the facility license cause it's my own business. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a, a pretty crushing moment 
to kind of have all of that, like everything that I thought was going to happen for three and a half years, kind of all just like gone. Um, so it took me a while to kind of like work my way through that. But, uh, Dave who owns Boston PT was really helpful in like answering questions about, you know, some of the, the paperwork and stuff and kind of helping me navigate some of the, uh, the hoops that you have to jump through to start a business, which is not something that we learn in school at all. <laughs> um, and then pretty quickly realized that I don't know how to run a business. So I know you guys talked to Devin, who's kind of in in the same mentorship group that that I'm in with uh, with Justin. And uh, yeah, hired him right out of the gate pretty much to kind of coach me on some of the business aspect stuff and easily the best decision that I made. So that was uh, that was the the spark notes of, of how I got into practice. <laughs> so your current practice right now, are you primarily taking cash or are you doing insurance as well? Yeah, I only do cash self-pay. Um, I, I knew that I didn't want to take insurance. And even when I was going to be an employee um, of the PT clinic, I wasn't going to take insurance. We were still just going to do self-pay. Um, but now having my own business, definitely the self-pay route is, it's easier for me and it's definitely allows me to provide a higher level of, of care and service to, to clients. Cause now I don't have, you know, some insurance company like breathing down my neck about, Oh, well you didn't, you can't bill for that or you can't do, you know, you spent too much time doing that or we're just not going to pay you. Um, I also don't have the staff to like do that. I don't want to submit for insurance and, and all that stuff. So it's all, it's all self-pay and it's, it's a lot smoother, so much easier. Yeah. So that, so this is actually going to, it's perfect that that's how you run your practice. Cause the business question I was going to ask you, um, earlier when I talked to you was, uh, how do you, so how do you go about those? Obviously you have patients that they're paying for insurance. So mm -hmm. like, how do you go about not necessarily convincing, but in a way, yeah. Convincing them that your practice is worth paying out of pocket for when they're already paying for insurance. You know what I mean? Like why, in your words, like, what do you say to them that sets you apart from just some guy down the street who takes their insurance? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, it definitely helps when they've gone to go see that other guy down the street who takes their insurance because they're five minute appointments and, you know, they've been going to them for like years and nothing has happened or nothing has changed. And it's the same thing every time. Um, so when, when I have people like that, it's, it's really just playing like a game of opposites. Like, well, did that work? And they're like, no, it didn't work. That's why I'm here. All right, great. We won't do that. Um, well, we can do, you know, so many other things because with cash, I do hour long appointments. So it's a lot easier to like really jam pack a lot of value for them into that. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of like they've seen the, the dark side of the profession. And then at that point, it's, it's pretty easy to just kind of, it's easy to show them how different I am and how different the treatment is going to look. Um, it's actually harder when they've never been to anyone because they have nothing to base that off of. Um, so with that, I do kind of like walking through, like from when they call, you know, I spend time on the phone with them. I do like a free discovery visit, which is like a half hour session where for me, it's really kind of like where I do the history um, and kind of collect some of the details about like what they've done in the past and and, and what they're looking for and, and just making sure that they're a good fit for what I do. Um, and then from there, it's like, then we could go over talking about pricing and, you know, payment plans or plans of care if they pay in full, 
um, whatever they want to do. Um, and then we go from the the discovery visit to the eval. And then at, after the eval is when they, when they would buy the plan of care, but it's really, it's really about showing them how different I am right out of the gate. And that's like, from just speaking to them on the phone, like how many times did you call and the person who you're actually going to be seeing picks up the phone? It's usually some front desk person. Um, so it's, it's just at every step showing them how different this experience is going to be. And that's, it's night and day compared to what, you know, they would get down the street. And if they want, if they really are like dead set on insurance, like I have, I have the the people down the streets card who, you know, will do just the adjustment and send them out the door. And, you know, if they, if that's what they truly want and they're dead set on insurance, be like, yeah, you can go see them, but I'm going to keep following up with you until, you know, you are my patient because I know that that's, that shit's not going to (laughs) work. So, and if it does, they found something that works for them. So. Yeah, but it's cool. It's cool that, and like you said it, but it's cool that you even said uh, how when they call, like they're they're getting to speak to you. You know what I mean? Like there's no front desk they have to go through who's just going to schedule them and just say, okay, you have to come in and then see if you like it. Like you're you're figuring out if they're a good fit first, which is I think that honestly that itself sets you apart, which is great. Um, but I think Austin, go ahead. You were going to chime in there. Um. Yeah. Like. Uh... Obviously, if you if we see the stuff you post on Instagram and just knowing you a little bit, um, knowing you're more kind of rehab based, I guess we're getting more into what like treatments kind of look like for you. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of cases that come through uh, the Dubuque clinic, you see like a lot of people that are kind of you know that fear avoidant in nature and just kind of like fearful in terms of like moving or or certain um, whether it's certain movements or actions or whatnot. Um, have you had any experience in terms of working with those kinds of people outside of, uh, the student clinic and how do you do that in uh, kind of more of a rehab setting? Yeah, the, the student clinic definitely prepared you or prepares us to deal with the like chronic pain patients. Um, obviously an older demographic, um, that's, I don't think I had anyone under the age of like 45 when I was there and they were <laughs> definitely well North of that. Yeah. Um, so having like a little bit of a younger demographic is, is definitely, you know, they're a little bit more like apt to take, take charge of their care. I mean, obviously there are some older folks who are willing to do that too. Um, but it's, it's good to like, I, I use my like student clinic time to just like practice what I would say to those people and kind of like use that time to have a conversation. Cause we, when I was there, we weren't like super busy. Um, so it was just kind of like test testing out, like, well, I said this, to this person, or like, I know that, you know, we need to have conversations around like their beliefs and their emotions around the pain. So it was a real good, like test, t- test run for, for clinical practice. Um, but I actually have a, a guy who is coming in to see me for some like pretty serious chronic low back pain. And he's been to, he was going to this PT and, the guy just like fed him a bunch of bullshit about like never bending his back and just like, it's, it, it's not good. Like it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like bad mouth another professional, but like I'm gonna, cause he's it, what he told him was the horseshit. <laughs> um, but it's, it's that, that experience in the student clinic has like, I'm definitely more comfortable having that conversation about like, Hey, like, you know what, you've been dealing with this for a long time. Like there's, you're not doing any structural damage to your back. 
Um, and it's, it's kind of just like knowing how hot you can come in. Cause like these people have like some serious prior beliefs around their low back pain and like, they're very concerned and very, you know, fear avoidant. Um, so it's like kind of just knowing where to like, how far to push the envelope with them. Um, cause if you push them too far, then it's like, you can lose them. And I, I don't want to do that. And I don't like that, that he doesn't deserve that. Um, so, you know, my prior experience, even before going to chiropractic school, like that kind of that building that skill set, and then actually getting to do it for real in student clinic has been, you know, pretty, pretty valuable in, in clinical practice so far. Yeah, I think that's huge. And something you touched upon is just like the communication aspect of it. Cause you know, sometimes uh, I feel like in student clinic, we get a little bit eager and you want to hop right into treatment or just, you know, trying to basically help them. But it's, it's so important just to kind of sit down and listen and just kind of, you know, what are their beliefs and kind of communicate with them and kind of work through their problems. So like you can kind of get through to them. And sometimes that's almost more important than, you know, like anything we can really do really is just kind of that communication aspect. So I definitely love that. Um, in terms of, I guess on the other spectrum of it, uh, maybe not so much we see in student clinic, but maybe something you're more familiar with, um, outside of student clinic and that school environment is like working with athletes. And now instead of like those fear avoiding people, now you're getting those people that are kind of like almost overworking themselves in a sense. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you approach that? We're working with like athletes who, you know, um, have kind of pounded their bodies and like beat themselves up. And, and now you're, you're having to go in there and maybe having to say, dial them back a little bit and then start to rebuild them from there. Yeah. I definitely, if I had to pick someone who I either have to like push them or it's someone that we have to like pump the brakes on, I definitely want the person who we have to pump the brakes on. Um, cause you know that they're going to do like way more than you ask them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's a same thing, like having that conversation. It's, you know, about like, you know, whether it's return to sport or if it's like, well, I told you to do, you know, excuse me, um, you know, like 10 of these and you did like a hundred and now you're like all blown up and, and you don't feel great. And it's like, well, more doesn't always mean better. And because you're ex it's, it's kind of like setting that expectation of, of when they're going to go back and kind of just like how we have to respect some of the, the healing parameters and whatnot. Um, and, and if it's like a lower body injury, like we can still push upper body stuff. Like you can still compete, you know, either with your team or with, with yourself, um, in the, in the gym. Um, but the big thing is really just kind of setting that expectation right from the get go. Be like, listen, like, is it, if, if, if you have like, you know, States coming up and it's something that you can kind of just work through and it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to make it any worse. Like, you know, there is a time and a place where you kind of just, you can, you can kind of, you work through it and then we can address some things after. Um, but if it's serious enough and it's like, Hey, this is like, you know, you could, you could play in the game and, and that's like a great high school memory, but like this could, you know, sideline you for like the rest of your life. And this could be, you know, something that's going to be really difficult to come back from. It's just kind of just like helping them weigh the options of like what they want to do. Cause at the end of the day, it's their choice. Like I can't, I can't sit there and force them to not play. Um, and sometimes they, they make that decision to play. Um, but you can, you just have to give them all of the information and, and kind of help them make that choice for themselves. Um, but yeah, it's really kind of just about setting the expectations right from the beginning and, and from what I've seen. 
Um, just to kind of keep the flow going here with what you just said with setting expectations. Austin, I'm kind of jumping around on our list real quick of questions we had. But um, so one of the things I was going to ask was um, in terms of setting a treatment plan for someone, obviously it's going to be individualized to fit and tailor their needs. But can you just kind of walk us through, like, how would you approach someone whose goals aren't necessarily to be as active as they can possibly be? Like they want to get if their goal is to get out of pain. Like, obviously, like there's certain things you can do to get them out of pain, but it takes a little more to keep them out of pain. Like, how do you go about coaching that perspective of like, hey, it's not just like muscle work and adjustments. Like, that's only part of it. I have to do this rehab stuff with you, too, like to kind of fix some of those bad habits. But like if they're not making that connection with like how that's helpful, like how do you go about coaching them on that and the importance of doing those exercises? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um so especially in the cash based model, like insurance, you can just kind of play the get out of pain game um, because they're not super. I mean, they're bought in, but, you know, a ten dollar copay is a lot different than like a couple thousand dollar care plan. Um, so especially with with the model that I run, it's it's really about getting to like the internal reason about why they're there. So like they might have back pain and that might be affecting, you know, them loading the dishwasher, but like like my chronic low back friend, like we got to the, we got to the point where he's like, well, my kids are going to be going to be in ski lessons. And I am really like disappointed that I might not be able to share those memories with them. And it's like, okay, great. This was so much deeper than low back pain. And we could have just stopped there. Like if I just been like, oh yeah, cool. We can help with that. Like, you know, low back pain, hip hinge, we can definitely do that. That's easy. But you know, when they're, when they're spending, you know, money out of their own pocket and it's not just a $10 copay. Like you have to get to the real reason why they're there and and they might not even be aware of that. So it's about asking questions and, and about in that discovery visit, like it can get a little, like it can get a little deep in terms of like, well, like you said this, you said that, like, can you expand on that? And, and asking questions and really like trying for, for me, trying not to talk so much and let them like kind of get to that answer on their own. Um, and then kind of being like, okay, great. Like I totally get that. Like I've worked with other people that are experiencing that similar thing. Like I worked with someone who like, they didn't want their kids to be, to grow up and be like, well, mom couldn't do this or that because she had a bad back. Um, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, like I, you know what? I, 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 I feel that like, I feel like I found myself in someone else's story. Um, and then we can build from there. So it's, that's kind of like the expectations are, are set by getting to the real reason why they're there. Um, and that, that's still a skill that I'm working on. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I don't know if that answered the question or not. No, it absolutely, it absolutely did. And that was a great answer too. Um, cause I think sometimes like patients can sometimes get bogged down with like the process and how long, not how long it takes, but just the steps it takes and how we always say like training isn't always linear. Like you're going to have, you're going to plateau sometimes, sometimes you're going to be set back, move forward at other times. But I think giving patients those constant reminders of what their internal goal was from the beginning and being able to even show them like how they've improved since day one is huge. Um, another question I had was, Austin and I have talked about this numerous times and uh, I know Connor has chimed in on it a bunch too, which by the way, for our viewers, Connor's not here tonight. Um, he had a date night with his girlfriend, so we won't make fun of him too much. 
But uh, anyways, just Seward. <laughs> um. So what are what's your take on the whole uh, rehab versus training kind of opinion? Because I know some people say that they should be separated completely. Like rehabs, one thing; trainings, another thing. Is that something like you agree with? They should be separated, or do you think it's kind of a combined notion? Um, I think it can be it. So I actually had this question posed to me by one of our clinical instructors um, at the student clinic. I won't I won't say his name. Um, and my answer, I don't I don't think he appreciated my answer. <laughs> and and my answer was that like why do we always get so upset about like who's taking which piece of the pie? Um, at the end of the day, it's about the patient in front of us. So whether or not we're doing like more exercise, like I don't do any manual therapy at all with the, my low back pain patient. And like, would someone view that as like, you're just a glorified personal trainer? Yeah, they totally could. Um, but at the end of the day, like, that's what I think is going to be the best option for him. And I'm trying to remove my ego from that. Like we spent all this time learning all these techniques and all this stuff, but like he doesn't, he doesn't need that. And I think that the manual therapy in terms of like adjustments or whatever would actually like make his back pain worse. Um, so I, I think that they're like, you know, training can be rehab and rehab can be training. Um, and having like a really good, like understanding of basic training principles, is something that's like really important for any like rehab provider, whether you're a, you know, Cairo PT, AT or, or just a personal trainer. Um, cause like the personal trainers do a lot of stuff that like they train around pain. Like someone has low back pain and they're like, Oh, well, what, you know what? We can just like cut the range of motion. I say that to people all the time. So like, it kind of like gets to the point where like, you know, like if people are having like shooting pain down their legs that the personal trainers like, all right, they need to recognize like, okay, this is a little bit beyond like what I might be able to handle. And then you can refer, but I'm totally cool with them like training around that pain. Cause like, you know, if you have a really good personal trainer, they have a really good basis of, of strength and conditioning that like, you know, them modifying the range of motion on a deadlift is the same as me doing it. Um, so I know some people like to keep them separate, but I guess in my, in my opinion, it, it like, why do we need to do that? Like, we're just kind of fighting over, over a piece of the pie. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that we need to do that. I think that's a good analogy too. That um, was not D Derek miles. I heard that on a podcast, a barbell medicine podcast. And I was like, I'm using that. Cause that's, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a good one. At least one, you gave so. him a shout out. Yeah. I mean, you could have took all the credit this, there. Right? He probably doesn't listen to this, but whatever. That's her. Right. <laughs> oh, maybe he will. Maybe when you guys Gross, get, you maybe know, this blows we're up. Working on our, we're working on our blue check right now for our Instagram page. Oh yeah, get it going. That's what Connor's working on right now. What is it? How do yeah. you get the blue check? <laughs> we have I, don't, no I don't know. I think you need like 25,000 followers or 20,000 and you need a certain amount of like reposts and comments it's, it's and common. saved. I don't know. I'm right. pretty sure we just got our, we hit our high of like 20 likes. So <laughs> we're going places. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, in terms of that, like just bouncing off the, the rehab versus training, do you have any clients where maybe you're more focused on like performance based where now it's not so much pain, but now you're just, you know, gradually progressing them. Like maybe what a trainer would start to get into. Do you work with any clients like that in that capacity? 
Um, I have. I had one one client who she was a power lifter, and I actually knew I know her coach. I work with her all the time. Um, and so this is kind of where like the rehab and the like performance training line kind of gets a little blurry because I I know that like we love exercise, like that's our bias. We definitely tend to do that more than the manual stuff, but like at I I think everyone that I've worked with also has a trainer or a coach. And I make it pretty clear to, so I talk with every one of my, if they have a coach or a trainer, I make a, make it a point to like reach out and either talk with them on the phone or talk with them in person. Um, and I make it like really clear to the trainer that like, I want them to continue training with you, um, when they're done with me and even while they're working with me and like, this can be a collaborative effort. Um, cause like, I know a lot of the times, like with rehab, you know, docs that, so a trainer will send them someone and then they just kind of disappear and they never come back. And it's like, well, you just kind of destroyed that referral source. Um, so like making sure that the trainer and the the client know that like, you know, I'm here to help you get through, to get the outcome that you want, which whatever that is, if it's returning to, you know, competition, barbell competition or whatever. Um, and just telling the trainer, like, Hey, I'm going to return them back to you. And like, how do you want them returned back to you? Like, what things do you need to see for you to progress training? Um, and then that's kind of like how I set the goal. Um, and I, that's been received really well by the trainers. Cause like some of them have gotten burned by some rehab pros, which you don't want to see. Um, so that's kind of the, how I would, how I would like transition them back from like a rehab to a performance setting is, is it's definitely a collaborative effort with the coach and they're involved with pretty much the whole process. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I find that very valuable too. Cause I'm kind of, you know, where I'm kind of planning on, um, practicing after this is a multidisciplinary area and they have like personal trainers and, um, and whatnot. So yeah, just, it's nice hearing your input and just really just about communication and just having that open line of communication, talking with them, making sure that they realize like, you're not trying to step on any toes or take what they're doing. Um, you're at the end of the day, like you said earlier, you're both trying to get your client or your patient better. So that's really just the, the end goal really. Yeah. And it's always about like, I actually met with a trainer yesterday about my chronic low back pain client. And it was like, that's a much more sustainable thing for, for people like working with a trainer, like from a cost standpoint too, like it's, it's much more cost effective to like continue to go to a personal trainer or, you know, go to a gym, whatever setting it is for years. Like people do that for a long time. And like, when you, when you take, when you like take that, like go to someone forever and you know, they're there for years and you apply that to the Cairo model, you get the sleazy, rack them and crack them docs that you like, when's this end? No, never. You need to come back in for the rest of your life. And it's like, I don't want to do that. So like it, there is an end point with me. And I tell people when they're done working with me, like, you know, obviously if anything ever comes up, like, please call, I'd be more than happy to work with you again. But like in the nicest possible way, I hope I never see you again. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we laugh about it and whatnot, but like, it's, it's kind of, you know, I want the personal trainer to take on that role of like being, being there for them for the, for a much longer time than I am. You know, I'm there to get them through their, their rehab journey and kind of guide them through that. Um, but then that's where you like hand the reins back to the coach and you're like, here you go. 
now you can go back to what you're doing and progress and continue to do that for as long as that person wants to pay you to, to be their coach. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely think it's a fine line, but like learning that balance and having that open line of communication is definitely important. Um, I guess last question here is just, you know, we're, we're students and always still trying to learn. And obviously you mentioned Justin earlier in terms of business. Um, do you have any other recommendations or, um, whether it's courses or mentorships or things that you've kind of been through that you found very valuable in helping with your career? Yeah, for sure. So I know that like as students, we kind of get sucked into the like the continuing education, like black hole of like all your classmates going to these like, you know, whatever seminar they go to on the weekend and spending all this, <laughs> spending yep. all this money because they're like, oh, I get the student discount. And you're like, it's still 900 bucks. Like, <laughs> do you need that? Could you have just read the research or lack thereof of research for, for, for sure. that course? Um shameless plug like boston pt is obviously where like uh the level up initiative and and zach and and steph and and quinn those guys who run cal calu um i went through the like i think the second like class cohort i guess you would call it of of that and hands down that is the best course that you could take as a student like it's not about you know some technique or some you know fancy tool that doesn't do anything. It's about like critical thinking and like how to communicate with a patient and, you know, the, the, all the soft skills that are like, aren't sexy and like cool and flashy. And like, you don't get any letters after your name. Um, but it's like what actually matters in clinical practice. Like no one gives a shit that you're ART certified. Like, can you have a conversation with someone? Like they're more concerned about that. Um, so, and I was fortunate, I'm fortunate enough to like work in and work in the environment that I do and, and have some really great clinical mentors who, who I still bounce stuff off of. Um, but yeah, I'd say if you're looking for something that you can't really go wrong with, I think, I, I don't know if it was today or, or yesterday that their wait, their waitlist closed or something like that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the one course. If you had to pick one, that one, cause those, those soft skills are what's going to take you far. And not, uh, not some like bullshit soft tissue course. <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely back you on that one. I, I actually went through the, the foundations, the first one there, um, and found that super valuable just in, in terms of communication. And like you said, critical thinking, and it's not all that like fluff and stuff that, you know, sometimes people like to, to lean towards, but, uh, it's, it was definitely very valuable. So. Bridget, you want to send us off here or what's yeah. the plan? Um, well, Nick, first of all, thank you for coming on. And uh, secondly, we everything you gave us has been super beneficial. And I really think, I know Austin and I definitely learned a lot from you. And we really appreciate you as um, a colleague and everything you're doing for this profession. We think it's moving in the right direction as long as we have people like you out there helping people. So thank you for that. Thanks for your service, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you both for having me. And it's, it's cool to see like the, you know, I'm not, I'm, I I don't have it all figured out. Like by no means am I like some like rock star, like I'm just trying to do my best every day, but to see like people not that far behind me from where I graduated, like doing something like this, like kudos to, to you all for, for putting this together and, 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 you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So congrats, congrats on that. And Thank you. Like, it's good to know that, like, there are other people out there 
who are still in school who also were not, you know, as satisfied with the education maybe that they got and they're willing to to do the work on their own to go seek that out. So congrats, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, we will see everyone next week for episode 10. I have no idea what we have planned, but I'm sure it'll be something good. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Don't forget to uh, like, follow our Instagram page, and please share as much as you can so we can have more than 20 viewers. And and head up next podcast, too. He's got the podcast oh, yeah, yeah. going. And yeah, what are you doing here? I thought you were good Sorry, at this stuff. You do that stuff. <laughs> No, Nick, where can they find you just in terms of like social media and you can plug the podcast you got going to? Yeah. So my social media is the at the strength Cairo. I have a business one too, but I don't really use it all that much. Um, I just have Instagram. I don't do Twitter or Facebook or TikTok <laughs> tool for that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the podcast is the beacon Cairo cast. Um, it's going to kind of be more of a interviewing patients about their success story and, and hoping that it, you know, that those stories resonate with some, some other people who might listen to it and just kind of give, give them some hope in terms of, uh, overcoming whatever, whatever pain or issue that they're, they're having. But, uh, there'll definitely be some, some more, uh, nuanced conversations about, you know, rehab and, you know, we always, we, the us rehab people like to argue about everything. So. I'm sure I'm sure we'll get a couple of those episodes in there, but yeah, stay tuned for those. <laughs> Perfect.